written down. It actually just kind of came about a couple of two, three weeks ago. Uh, he's just such a, a, such a heady guy, such an intellectual, and I always enjoy our private conversations concerning the Bible, concerning this uh, road of discipleship that you and I uh, have been tasked with um, for the rest of our lives. So I thought it would be wonderful for us to have the opportunity to listen uh, from him and to glean from him and, and to understand like the heart of God through different speakers. So without further ado, I introduce to you my friend, your friend, David Kim to the front. I think that was the, that was, that was, that was, that was the warmest welcome I have received um, for a very long time. Um, if you don't know me, hi, my name is David. I'm usually behind the cage, so you might not notice. But I am really, really honored to be here. Um, I am not a pastor, so what comes out of today um, is just a word from your fellow brother, a family member, um, and something that God has placed on my heart. So actually, I would like for me to ask for prayer, if that's okay. Um, if you could pray for me in this time that God would speak through me, and also for yourselves, that God would allow us to hear what he wants us to hear. Not what I don't have to say, not what clever jokes I have planned, I have none, but really what God wants us to hear. So just a minute, if you can just pray for yourselves and pray for me, I start the sermon. Thank you so much. Let's pray. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, I'm going to go off script for a little bit because I don't think we appreciate how special this time is, not just because I'm up here. <laughs> this is not just another Sunday. I know that I'm sure you have tried your hardest to come and there's effort, and you planned, and you executed. But what if I told you that your power to come to church is given by God, right? That God wanted to see you this morning. Like the God of the universe, <laughs> okay? The God who created the stars wanted to see you this morning. And it had to be you. You're not just another face in like the sea of people that he likes or loves. Like he was waiting for you. He died for you. Do you think, I would, do you think God would not notice when you walked into his house? This is not just, oh, I need to go on with my day. 
I think for many of us, God was waiting for this time. He was waiting at 6 a.m., looking forward to the time when you came and just stood before him. And I'm not, I guess I just want us all, me too, to come into this time acknowledging that. This, this is not special because the lights are cool and the music is great. It's special because God was waiting. He really was. He really was. And he was looking forward to speaking with you and I. And that's my exhortation, that we come into this time as if God from eternity past was waiting for today, this day, to come to him and meet with him as if he planned it and he ordained it and he was looking forward to it with joy. Okay, back on script. Um, the message today is titled Joy. Um, and it's because um, I was actually really touched by Pastor Scott's message two weeks ago. Um, I don't know if you have been um, coming regularly, but we are kind of in this spiritual formation thrust, right? And two weeks ago, Pastor Scott gave such a timely word, right? We are to not run in circles like headless chickens. We are to run in a race. We are to live this life as this is, is a race and that God has called us to. Like we have to train. We can't just try. We have to train. And last week, we discussed that Yes, we do, but this is a family. Right? We're not a bunch of individual athletes in, like a, in a gym, <laughs> right? But we're a family. We're all supposed to win together. This is a team sport. We're supposed to look out for each other. We're supposed to push each other towards good things. That a part of our racing is the love we have towards each other as family. Today, like, uh, I'm going to bring up uh, the passage that Pastor Scott spoke on just a second. But as I was looking, uh, as reading through that, I am a sinner. <laughs> so in the back of my mind, I was going, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> okay? That sounds like a lot of work. Why? Why should I commit to training? Why should I commit to daily reading of God's word? Why should I commit to the daily prayer? Why? Why? I, and the passage, right? I read it for us. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Imagine with me for a second if I tried to cajole you into running a 2K with me. Okay, not even a marathon, just a 2K. Some of us would be like, okay, no worries. <laughs> right? But for, for some of us, like, like, imagine, okay, me trying to, like, I, I mean, how would I convince you, right? Like, oh, um, it's good for your health. <laughs> you should lose weight. Um, it feels really good to run and, 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 and feel the wind. And let's say I talked you into it. And let's say I talked you into it. And so I'm like, okay, so for 7 a.m., we're going to get here, and we're going to train so we can run that. Honestly, 10 minutes into that training run, y'all's going to give up. Okay? Aren't you? No matter how hard I cajole, it's not that hard. It's not even a marathon. It's not even 4K. It's 2K. No matter how hard I cajole you, 
No matter how much I try to convince you that it's easy, it's not. (laughs) It's not. Why imagine if I were trying to cajole you into running a race without explaining to you what it's for? You will never persevere. If you really like me, you'll come to two practices just to make sure I don't feel too bad. <laughs> then that's, right? And that's it. Look at Paul's argument here. Why do other people run the race? Because you know other people live super self-disciplined lives, right? People who don't believe in Christ live super disciplined lives. Paul's saying why? Because they do it to get a crown that will not last. Why do people run two jobs? Why do people go to school? Why do people get up 6 a.m., 7 a.m., 9 a.m. in the morning? For family, for your parents, for your kids, for your loyalty, for character, faithfulness. These are good things. These are great things, don't get me wrong. Paul's not saying those are bad things. Paul's saying what? They don't last. People run crazy hard to provide for a family that honestly won't last. My parents are going through some health issues. I I realize that more than ever before. it, it, It won't last. What's Paul saying? But guys, we run to get a crown that will not fade, that will last forever. If these folks run that hard for a crown that fades, how much so we have to run in such a way because our prize never fades. They run for a family that lasts 80, 90 years. You are running for a family that lasts eternity. They're running for a comfort that will fade. We run for comfort that will last to eternity. They run for a crown Honestly, that will be forgotten in a couple of weeks. The news will fade. The Olympic flags go down. We do it to get a crown that lasts forever. That's what Paul's saying. Keep your eyes on the prize. How much more so should we run? And this is not a new idea. Jesus said the exact same thing. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which so clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, here's the big point, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Imagine with me. You, I'm sure you guys have all heard sermons about how crazy crucifixion is. Imagine with me the kind of joy you have to be looking forward to to go through that. The kind of joy that is so overwhelmingly huge that you willingly go through the cross, despising its shame. That's how Jesus did it. That's why we do it. Slides telling me to go ahead. Right? I don't have kids. I actually did some research, um, but apparently the cost to raise a kid is 17000 
on average a year. Okay. I watched some YouTube videos about there's a there's a machine that stimulate uh, that simulates the, the the pain of childbirth, and they get like these like bodybuilding dudes on it. <laughs> right, it, you know, it's like a little pads, right? And you know, they're trying to compete to see how long they'll last. And I was thinking, you know, videos like 10 minutes long, right? No dude lasted more than 20 seconds. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like, these other dudes were like holding him down because they were trying to like rip it off. <laughs> it was like, okay? Now, imagine if, if that's all you know of childbirth. 17K, <laughs> Seven, a, a year. <laughs> Excruciating pain. Guys, it's not that hard. Y'all can do it. <laughs> We're doing it together. No. <laughs> it's crazy. Why would you do that to yourself? That's nuts. What the craziness. But if I had a table and I had your kid and I had $17,000 in cash, I think all of mm, <laughs> most of you, <laughs> right? I think all of you, in your heart of hearts, would pick the child. No, no question about it. No question about it. Was it worth it? I think yes. That's what Jesus is talking about. J Jesus is giving an example. See, I endured the cross to give birth to a new kind of life. It was excruciating. It was painful. It was shameful. It sucked more than you will ever imagine, but for the joy set before me, for the vision of a newborn, eternal living family of God, I went through it. And that is the kind of life I'm calling you, says Jesus. Guys, as long as we think of spiritual formation as like, Self-improvement. Can you imagine selling parenthood as self-improvement? You grow so spiritual. Oh, you'll be so much more mature. You'll like learn to love. Like what? <laughs> right? But that's sometimes what we do. We, we, we sell spiritual formation. We sell spiritual discipline as if it's like, you know, good for you. Guys, we're not doing it because it is good for you. But we're not doing it because it's good for you. These are all side effects. Yes, you grow. Yes, you achieve peace, all these things. But the prize is Jesus. But the prize is eternal life. And until if we don't just adore that and, 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 and just be in awe of that prize, none of spiritual formation will ever make sense. Just won't. And you'll come and we'll try to cajole you into, oh, it's not that bad. But because it, it is bad. Life is tough. Spiritual formation is tough. Anyone who tells you otherwise is probably a cult or a prosperity gospel. Okay, it, it, it's, it's tough. Giving birth, I hear, is pretty tough. <laughs> Changing your life is pretty tough. Loving your enemies is tough. Reading the Bible is tough. Daily prayer is tough. Trying to care about your fellow church members is tough. But we don't do it because it's easy. We do it because it is results in eternal life. Results in the kind of life that you and I can barely dream of right now. For the joy set before Jesus, he went through the cross. And for the joy set before us, we run through this life. That's what Paul is saying.
Others do it to get a crown that will not last. Others to get, what, 20, 30 years of nice retirement. We do it to get a kingdom that will never fade, to get a crown that will never fade, to hear the praises to Jesus forever and ever and ever, to have me worship, like, I imagine heaven as a giant worship <laughs> session that never, never ends. Come on. That's why it's worth it. Jesus, in his first, you know, this is the Sermon on the Mount, his very famous sermon. Again, this is not only how he lived, this is how he taught. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth, yeah, so and so, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus was always saying this. What did he say about the kingdom of God? Maybe we skipped it. Okay. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And in his joy, in his joy, went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Imagine if I had a time machine. Um, maybe for the financially astute of you. And I say I took you to 2009. Okay? Take it to 2009. What would you do? I, I, mean, I mean, internet forums are full of this. You know what I would do? I would go sell everything I've had, take out loans, fake business loans. I would scam people, do whatever I need to raise capital and put it all into Bitcoin. Wouldn't you? Because why? If you put 40 bucks into Bitcoin, 40 bucks in 2009, you'd be $200 million rich today. $40. You would beg your parents to sell their house. <laughs> okay? Think about it, right? Listen to me now. Think of how effective of an evangelist you would be. Right? Trust me. Trust me. Oh my, just trust me. Okay, I mean, imagine going to like financial advisor and be like, I, I'm thinking about liquidifying my whole thing. They would say you're crazy, right? That's what it's talking about. Okay, I, I, I know we read this and we go, and he sold all that he had. Okay, no, <laughs> Let's just actually take the Bible at face value and just imagine what it, would, what it is to sell everything you have, your house, your car, the college fund, the, the preschool fund, I don't know, everything you have. All your friends and everyone who loves you be like, stop, you're in a cult, this is, stop, okay? They'll try to stop you. And you'll be like, join me. <laughs> join me. <laughs> and they would, and do you see how similar that is to the original church? They were being beat. They were having their stuff robbed. And they were like, join us. <laughs> and you're like, Whoa. you know what I'm saying? Think of the kind of security you would have knowing your entire life possession is in a stock that cannot fail. Think of what peace you would have. Think of what confidence you would have. Think of how much space in your heart you would have. Yeah, sure. I volunteer. My future is set, man. 
oh, you fire me? You're lost. Think of how much joy <laughs> you would have. Time will not chase you. You would chase time because you're just waiting for that sucker to mature. Because you know, 100%, without a doubt, you have banked your life in a stock that cannot fail. That's the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of God. We are asking you. Yes, sometimes it sounds crazy. Join us. <laughs> We're asking you to bank your time, your life, your treasure, your effort, your hobbies on this stock. And I know it sounds crazy, but my friends, I guarantee you this stock cannot fail. The kingdom of God cannot fail. You cannot outgive God. This will pay, pay more than we know. And if, and this is the crazy paradox, that the more you give, the more peace you have. Because we are assured that this treasure in this field is going to outweigh anything I sell to get it. That's how we have to think of the kingdom of God, friends. <laughs> or none of this makes sense. <laughs> how long are we going to Come to church and, and, and do Bible and, and, and do Bible study because you're nice. <laughs> Are you nice enough to give? Wh what did you just say? Hate your mother and your father for me? Sell everything you have and follow me? Are, are you going to be nice enough to do those things? It's never going to work. None of the things that Jesus taught about the kingdom is going to work unless you are convinced that Jesus is a stock. The kingdom of God is an investment. It's a treasure that cannot fail. So why doesn't it look like it? <laughs> Honestly, right? I'm here preaching. Do you think I'm just a fellow brother just like you, okay? And I had to struggle. Why doesn't the prize look? You know, I read the Bible. It says, and push onward towards the glorious Christ for which Christ Jesus has. And I'm like, it doesn't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be real with you. It doesn't look that good. It looks okay. It looks nice. But, you know, two ounces of holiness, 30K. I'm like, <laughs> you know, two ounces of holiness a weekend to myself. You know what I mean? The trick and why sermon and why Jesus' sermon was so powerful, because he gets the order right. What does he say? He doesn't say put your treasure where your heart is. Put your treasure because where you put your treasure, your heart goes. I was why do you think I value like stability so much? Because I moved around all my life. <laughs> I put my treasure in these little pots called, 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 called security, called Chase Bank account, called uh, love of my family, called love of my friends. And guess what? Over time, my heart went to where my treasure is. Jesus is very smart. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, put your treasure here because I need it? No. Because, guys, as long as your heart is here, you won't experience what real life is. 
as long as you're here, as long as your treasure is here, you're mortal, are you not? It, it dies, doesn't it? All that you love, all that you care about, it, it goes into the grave. All the riches of the world end up in wills, <laughs> right? Everything you love and cherish and try to protect will one day lie in the dirt. I'm sorry to be morbid, but it's just true. But we, if we have a heart like that, and then try to, out of the goodness of our hearts, seek eternity, it ain't going to work. Because your heart is always going to go to where your treasure is. So what is you just saying? Put your treasure here. Not because you feel like it. Not because your heart is already here. Get the water right. You put it here so that your heart will go here. I don't value holiness as much as I should. You know what gets me there? Not waiting until I feel holy enough, that's for sure. I get here because I choose. God, in the, in, when, when I'm most awake, when I'm most free from my worldly desires, I know I should want this. So I'm going to put my, you know what my treasure is? Free time. I love my free time. Don't ever, my alone time in my room with the blank, my God. <laughs> no, don't take this away from me. That is my treasure. It might be different for you. Now, thankfully, I'm not that rich, so, I, you know, my treasure money-wise is not really a big deal. But my free time, oh, man. Oh, man. My alone time, put. Soon you'll find, you know that comfort I used to have from being alone? God's like, 40 bucks? I multiply that by 3,000. Whatever comfort, whatever solace, whatever rest you used to get, squeeze out of your personal time that takes six hours, I do it in two minutes. I do it forever. Because you invested that in me. The three reasons why the prize, God's heavenly invitation, doesn't look like the prize. First of all, one is ignorance. And Thankfully, after the sermon, that you don't count, <laughs> okay? But, I mean, I, 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 I honestly have to put that there because I think a lot of kind of, there's a version of Christianity. There's a false representation of Christianity that, that does this. It doesn't talk about how great Jesus is. It talks about how much you should pay, <laughs> how much it costs. It, it, it sells Christianity as some sort of be nice program. Like you, but like, you know, like life coaching. And we live in ignorance of the great and awesome promises in the Bible. So that's not us, yay. Second, it's because our heart is with our treasure, and my treasure is here. It's here. And now, why do we do rhythms? Why do we do daily stuff? Why, why can't I just, you know, um, go to one retreat and spend like 40 hours with, with Jesus? <laughs> and then I'll be done for the year. Or, or go to a, a prayer night and then, pay, you know, do 20 hours of prayer with Jesus. We do that the same way. Um, we do it because it's much safer to move your heart via rhythm. Okay. You know what cults do? They, they preach like right up to here, and they go, so give us your life savings. <laughs> okay? God will pay it back. God will multiply it. 
So give, call the number, you know, okay? What we say is your heart is not that easily moved. My heart is not that easily moved. It, I, I feel it shifting like in a three-day retreat. Like it moves like, <laughs> just because you like forced it, right? And guess what happens after the retreat? <laughs> Why do we do rhythms? Why do we do daily prayer? Why do we do daily Bible reading? Because, friends, your heart is a giant boulder. You try to move that in a week, good luck. Okay? Honestly, lose 40 pounds in a week, good luck. <laughs> That's exactly the same thing. You're here. Be, be real about it, okay? Spiritually, we're all kind of obese, okay? And anyone who comes to you and says, you do these three things, and in one week, ta-da, fake. Don't believe that. Don't believe that. Jesus took three years with his 12 disciples, and one of them failed still. Come on. <laughs> you think you can do it in two weeks? That's why we do daily. And that's the crazy thing. The heart like it moves so subtly, but once it picks up momentum, like there comes a time when you look back and you're like, I used, to not, I used to be different. I used to treasure being respected by my friends over life. Okay? I used to treasure acceptance from strangers over life itself. I used to treasure this and that and family. Over, and with daily prayer and daily... And, and you, it, it, you, you won't feel it, man, 99% of the time. But you keep at it. You keep adding an hour, five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes. You keep on investing. You put your church from here to here slowly. This is your God savings account. This is your account. And you just, and suddenly one day, I guarantee you, you look back and be like, my heart's not there anymore. That's true freedom. So, so many things of this world promise freedom and, and authenticity. You, you know where that comes from? It comes from your heart being in a place that thieves do not come and steal, where moths do not come and destroy. That kind of security and peace with yourself does not come from yoga, does not come from inner reflection. It comes from knowing yourself, your treasure. The thing you value most is hid on Christ, and it cannot be touched, and the gates of hell will never touch it. That's what gives you peace. That's what gives you comfort. That's what gives you the space in your heart to be generous to others. That's why we do rhythms. If I was a cult, I'd tell you to give all your money now. But that doesn't change the heart. What we're after and what I believe God is after. I think many of us have started the Christian life because Jesus like showed up in a big way. That was the same for me. And Jesus at a moment in time just, I love you. Okay. But I feel like for many of us, Jesus is calling us into the next step of intimacy where Jesus is still running to you, but you are now running back to him. Where God is pursuing you, yes, but now you, by the grace of God, is pursuing him. Wasn't it weird? Jesus saw us. What value is there in us? Pieces of dirt that he, but he 
that he treasured us, did he not? He considered us and our salvation worth dying for. And the next step is what we look up and like, just as you treasured me, a little bit of that, God, that's how I treasure you. That's, that's the life. You cannot. Life is tough. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus says. You cannot, you will not go through this Christian life and all the crazy temptations and, 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 and tragedies and evil and death that Satan and the world and yourself will throw at you if you don't have this underlying truth. But it's worth it. But it's worth it. It's worth it because Jesus treasured me and I treasure Jesus. If you don't, if you have that, but you don't act on it, what is that? It's a castle made out of sand. And the tragedy will come. But if in daily rhythms of grace, you have invested little by little, day by day, he's changing me. Then the wind will come and the earthquake will happen and the waters will rise and your house will stand. Lastly, oh, yeah, prayer. This is, I think, my favorite psalm. Um, and I think this is my favorite psalm because of the first word. I just read it for us. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me with a willing spirit. The first word is, can you say it with me? Doesn't that, isn't that crazy? No, okay, maybe. <laughs> to me it's crazy. Okay? David, don't you mean like fix or clean? <laughs> Cleanse me and give me, you know, fix my heart, upgrade my heart, wash my heart. What is, what is David saying? Take my heart and throw it away. And from nothing, from the life that you have, from eternity, it's a heart that I can never, ever even begin to imagine. Create it and give it to me. This is a different this, this is not about just living nicely or goodly, okay? There is a limit of how kind you will be as long as your treasure is here on this earth. But our prayer, it has to be, God, I wake up every morning and I somehow believe this next 24 hours is mine and mine alone. And dude, do you know what? Crazy, I think I am good for giving you an hour. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> I get up and I think somehow I created the next 24 hours for me. And because I'm nice, I'm going to give an hour to you and an hour to other people. Do you see how crazy that is? I don't wake up if God doesn't fill me with the bread this second. Giving back, give, give what to who? <laughs> it's God's. It's God's from beginning to end. 
So God, this heart that somehow wakes up so selfish that it would even twist your creation as somehow my own. Get it out of here. and Create within me a heart I can't make for myself. And the funny thing is, the next day, it's back. So you got to pray again. <laughs> I'm telling you. I, I do I. There ain't no lie on my lips, okay? I'm telling you. Like, you live in victory for like two hours, and do, it feels like amazing. <laughs> and like, somebody cuts you off, and your old heart's like, bam, it's right here. Like, it's true. Is it not true? Is it not true? Like, for a second, I saw the heavens open. I saw eternity. And like, literally, you, 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 have you ever felt that you zoom out, and God just kind of shows you death and life and all that eternity, bro? Like you and your family and your mom, like they are with me in the palm of my hand and you will worship me with them forever. Like, you're like, whoa, it's so true. And like five minutes later, man, I need to make more money. Okay, <laughs> man, I need to start saving. What? The old heart, I think one of the moments I'm looking forward to most in life is when I stand before God and I finally see that old heart and it doesn't come back. It doesn't come back. The temptations don't come back. The self finally is crucified for real and I am resurrected for real. I'm not in this half in between state for reals, for reals. And the victory is final and it is here. Can you imagine how freeing that would be but it is not so now so we have to pray that every day <laughs> honestly if you can get away with it it's not because you have to i mean if you can maintain that clean heart in you without prayer i mean dude you should write a book i, I sell it to seminary like you'll make tons of money okay but david literally the man after god's own heart Create in me a new heart, God. That's the prayer. So, um, in some sense, it was a simple message, but that's really all I wanted to exhort us to. One, let us not be ignorant. Let us not be ignorant of the greatness of the prize. God is not offering, like, a little nice. God is offering to tear down your life and build temple where he himself will reside. God is offering not just little good works. God is offering an eternal crown of glory that will not fade. Let us not be in ignorance of this. Secondly, let us remember the heart goes where our treasure is. Establish rhythms of grace. Establish rhythms of spiritual formation every day. You treasure your time, invest five minutes. Invest 10 minutes. Invest 15. Daily, invest in prayer. And not, the, not, not any kind of prayer. Together, personal and together. Pray that God makes my heart, who treasures the earth so much, 
He treasures my pride so much. God, give me a heart that would actually enjoy heaven. Give me a heart that, that if there was nothing in this room except Jesus and I, I would be completely satisfied. My heart is not there yet, God. My heart still so many times looks for what you can give. But God, give me a heart that loves you, that I treasure you. And because I treasure you, I don't mind selling this. I don't mind losing out. I don't mind being sued. I don't mind suffer loss. I don't mind this injustice happening to me. Why? Because I have my life built on the stock that cannot fail. Let him take it. I suffer loss. But they can't take my Jesus from me. And one day I will stand before God above and he will declare me in the right. And that's good enough. Can I just give you some time to pray? Um, So, um, I think the third point is very applicable. Pray for your heart. Um, pray for my heart. Pray for the heart of your children. Pray for the heart of your parents. Pray for the heart of the church. Pray for the heart of your husband, your wife, your brother, your sister. Pray that God will give them the heart that treasures the eternal, treasures the unseen. Because my friends, right now it might not be so, but when you treasure these things, do you know you get what you wanted thrown in? You get more joy than you could have imagined. You get more peace than you could have imagined. You get more comfort. You get more security. If, more than you could have ever gotten for yourself if you follow Jesus. Pray for that changed, clean heart. God, take this old heart. Don't fix it. Don't cleanse it. It's done. Get it out of here. And give me the heart of Christ. Create in me a new heart, oh God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Let's pray.
Thanks, David, for sharing God's word um, with us. What a powerful reminder. You know, as the whole time he was uh, giving the sermon, I was reminded of uh, this book called um, Start With a Why. Some of you guys may have heard of it, read it, uh, written by a guy named Simon Sinek. Um, And I was so convicted the entire time he was preaching. I was convicted like, you know, me as a pastor, I lead out with it. These are the things that we should do. But I, I fail to communicate. We, we fail as a church. We fail as a body of Christ. We forget to remind ourselves of the why. And tonight, today I'm so convicted at the same time. It's weird. Like I'm, usually with, if you hear a message about like sacrifice, concession, yielding, giving, like you, you ought to be scared, right? But it's weird. There's a transfer 